Hello? Anybody home? Today, I want you to open your mind. I've almost come to the conclusion that the story is so damning that the mass of people can't deal with it. We are in process of developing a whole series of techniques to get people actually to love their servitude. We face a hostile ideology, global in scope, atheistic in character, ruthless in purpose and insidious in method. Well, we are opposed around the world by a monolithic and ruthless conspiracy that relies primarily on covet means for expanding its sphere of influence. To change the minds and the attitudes and the beliefs of the people of the world, especially the United States, to bring about one world socialist totalitarian government. The potential for the disastrous rise of misplaced power exists and will persist. It has patterned itself after every dictator who has ever planted the ripping imprint of a boot on the pages of history since the beginning of time. Brutes have risen to power, but they lie. Dictators free themselves, but they enslave the people. If you can get people to consent to the state of affairs in which they are living, then you have a much more easily controllable society than you would if you were relying wholly on clubs and firing squads and concentration camps. Tools of conquest do not necessarily become with bombs and explosions and fallout. There are weapons that are simply thoughts, attitudes, prejudices, to be found only in the minds of men. As you connect the dots between different people, organizations, places, religions, history, suddenly the picture starts to form. If you don't connect the dots, it's just a mass of what's all this about. The kingdom of God is within man, not one man, nor a group of men, but in all men, in you. You, the people, have the power to make this life free and beautiful to make this life a wonderful adventure. Someone born in the United States is not more special than someone born in Mexico. Someone who is white is not more special than someone who is black. They're just vehicles for the consciousness to experience. War is peace. Freedom is slavery. Ignorance is strength. They do not want your children to be educated. They do not want you to think too much. It was learned that the aliens had been and were then manipulating masses of people through secret societies, witchcraft, magic, the occult, and religion. They reach into our children in music, television, books. Prey on children's innocence. How can I disprove lies that are stamped with an official seal? So if you have the opportunity to stand next to one of these machines, it feels like an altar to an alien god. Genetic power is the most awesome force the planet's ever seen, but you wield it like a kid that's found his dad's gun. The Army Air Forces has announced that a flying disc is now in the possession of the Army. Too many others know what's happening out there, and no one, no government agency has jurisdiction over the truth. Any state, any entity, any ideology that fails to recognize the worth, the dignity, the rights of man. That state is obsolete. A case to be filed under M for Mankind in the Twilight Zone. It's about time some of you got acquainted with the real hard truth. It's the heart that says, I will not acquiesce. Across the gulf of space, intellects, vast and cool and unsympathetic, regarded our planet with envious eyes. Each of us, when separated, is always looking for our other half. And the desire and the pursuit of the whole is called love. Heart perception will change everything. Freedom is the privilege to be right. Freedom from the disasters of our mistakes.
broadcasting from the Sonoran Desert. I'm your host, Ryan Gable, and this is The Secret Teachings Radio. You can email the show at rdgable at yahoo.com. You can find us on Twitter at tst underscore underscore radio and on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash the secret teachings. Although I believe we are shadow banned on both of those platforms, so it might be hard to find us. Otherwise, visit our website at www.thesecretteachings.info where you can find a list of all of our shows you can download and listen to for free. There's also links to various radio and podcast players and an RSS feed to plug into those players. If you're listening on Apple Podcasts after the live show Monday through Friday, 10 p.m. to midnight Pacific time after Ground Zero and Clyde Lewis that most of you are just switching over from, you can go into the Apple Podcast Player and leave us a review, and I'd be very, very appreciative of that. We got removed from Apple Podcasts uh, a while ago because of technical issues, so we lost a lot of our reviews. So if you have a chance, please leave us a review. Let other people know what you think of the radio broadcast. Also, on the website, you'll find our subscription service, which means that you'll be able to get access to all the shows with a private RSS feed with no advertisements, along with our montage archive, and you'll get access to the books I've written, including Occult Arcana and The Technological Elixir. You can also buy those books separately on the website. When you grab a copy of one of the books, when you subscribe to the archive, it's $40 for one year. Just donate $40 on the website, and I'll be in contact with you about your account. Pretty simple, pretty straightforward. It allows us to do this show Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday, We make maybe $1,200 a month off of uh, advertisements through monetization and through a a, a few book sales and through a few subscriptions. So if you don't support us, we're not here anymore. And I've been saying that for years, but people have always stepped up and supported us and allowed us to continue to do what we do. And uh, because of prices, uh, gas prices and other things, uh, I've kind of been relegated to the home, to the studio trying to take that extra time and, and put it into the show. You know, I put probably five, six hours a day into this broadcast, into research, into uh, production, into uh, promotion. And, you know, basically, my whole day is preparing for this show. You know, I, a lot of times I go to bed at night and I lay there awake for about a half hour to an hour and I think of show names and different angles and different topics. And tonight there were so many things to talk about I was a little bit skeptical as to what to call the show. And I was putting all this paperwork together before I went to bed last night. I kind of laid it out on my desk and I saw that I probably had three or four shows here and I was trying to figure out what should uh, go together, how I should put this all together. I read this thing about a bipartisan panel of health experts who yesterday, June 21st, today's the 22nd into the 23rd, 2022, a panel of health experts that are intending to overhaul the American public health system. And on the surface, if someone were to say to me, we should overhaul the American public health system, I would say, absolutely. The question is always, Under these nice-sounding ideas 
and these seemingly logical suggestions and recommendations and all these experts with their opinions is always this underbelly, which is usually quite unsavory. So this bipartisan panel, they call it bipartisan because it's supposed to mean, well, if you're Republican or Democrat, it doesn't really matter because these are people that got together and they want to overhaul the American public health system. But what the overhaul would actually do, based on what was called for yesterday, was it would expand the role of federal government, giving Washington the authority to set minimum health standards, which again, minimum health standards, sounds like a really great idea. But is it? Minimum health standards and also allow Washington to coordinate a patchwork of nearly 3,000 state, local, and tribal agencies. So this would not only be with states, it would be, of course, within states, with local agencies, and with tribal agencies. So reservations and things of that nature. Now, the recommendations come from a group called Commonwealth Fund. Commonwealth Fund Commission on a National Public Health System. And they tell you, oh, this is, um, I read this is like one of those, uh, you know, wonderful nonprofit, they don't really care about money organizations. And well, the, 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 <laughs> the problem is uh, it's basically a group of experts from the Obama administration and the Bush administration. Uh, extremely, extremely biased political individuals that want to give virtual absolute authority to the federal government to mandate and to dictate to states what those states can do in the event of a public health emergency. Now, a lot of people don't know how the, the republic is supposed to work, so anytime this idea is brought up that Federal government maybe should have more power or, you know, states, they make decisions, whether it's an abortion or guns or health that are that are dangerous to the people. You know, we never ask the question publicly because we're scorned if we do. What are the dangers of giving the federal government more power over individual states, local communities and even tribal lands? Nobody wants to have that conversation anymore, despite the fact that for the last 300 years, it's dominated the discussion in politics in America. It's dominated the discussion since the Civil War. It's dominated the discussion since before the Constitution was ever ratified. What is the danger of a federal government that has the authority and has the power to dictate to small states and large states alike, what they can and cannot do. This was, again, the debate before the Constitution was ratified. It was the debate during the Civil War. And no longer is it the debate. It feels as if everybody wants federal authority, federal control, total top-down authoritarian government for everything. Now, again, it sounds like a good idea. Let's overhaul the American public health system. Great. Things are broken. But see, this is exactly what predators do when they see a weak animal break off from the pact and the lions go after it and they rip its throat out. This is kind of how everything in America works nowadays, it would seem. It seems like anything that isn't working properly is legitimately open for you know some form of um, refurbishing. 
some form of change, but it's usually the people that do not want honest change. They want change that involves control and the overriding of either bodily autonomy or state autonomy. The panel said it wanted to address the failures of the nation's public health agencies to protect Americans from other health risks, including drug overdoses, diabetes, and maternal mortality. Sounds, again, like a really great idea. Overdoses from various forms of drugs, both perhaps, the panel didn't say, but perhaps illegal drugs, as well as legal drugs, because more people die from legally prescribed drugs than people that die from illegal drugs. They also recommended the creation of a new national public health system. And they keep saying in this New York Times article that I read, bipartisan, bipartisan, bipartisan. It's the Commonwealth Fund, a nonprofit research group focused on healthcare issues. So it's always nonprofit, nonprofit, bipartisan. You're supposed to think, oh, they're bipartisan. Oh, they're nonprofit. They must be the good guys, right? They must really care about the public. I don't know if that's true. I find that hard to believe. While other countries have centralized public health authorities, says the New York Times, public health in the U.S. is largely managed at the state and local level, as it should be. This is the whole reason we have sovereign individual states that, barring certain protections of the Constitution, states get to decide what the rule of law is within their jurisdiction. Because it's like a ship with a double hull. If one part of the ship is breached, the whole ship doesn't sink. That's how the system is supposed to work. Congress is supposed to work the same way. Yet, it feels like Congress doesn't get anything done, perhaps more so now than ever. It feels like Congress kind of just tiptoes around big issues. Supreme Court certainly doesn't. And it seems like things are really slow. But that's kind of the whole point. In fact, James Madison, one of the founding fathers, said the whole point of having a system in which good laws cannot be passed easily means that bad laws can also not be passed easily. At least that was the theory. That was the idea. Agree with it or not, that was how the country was established as a Republican form of government. With a minor form of democracy and representatives In the House of Representatives, people get to choose their representatives based on population. That benefits large states, but then senators benefit the small states because every state gets two senators. Most people don't know how that works, so they think, oh, that's unfair. Every state, Rhode Island gets two senators, just like California. That's not fair. Well, check the House of Representatives. California has a lot more Congress people than Rhode Island, but people don't know how the system works, so we want to overthrow it. We want to overturn it. The New York Times says, while other countries have centralized this public health authority, the U.S. has allowed states to make that decision. What should be done in public health emergencies or just in general? It says the CDC, the federal public health agency, does not have the authority to compel states to act, as it shouldn't have the authority to compel states to act. It cannot, for example, investigate outbreaks of infectious disease in a particular state unless it has an invitation from state officials to do so, as should be the case. Individual state health departments are very, very capable of dealing with public health emergencies. But see, people don't like when the state of Florida says, we're going to reject ordering vaccines for five-year-olds 
as the governor recently said. And the state health department, under direction of the governor, says same thing. We're not going to really promote this. We're not going to really support this. And the people in Florida, Florida of all states, did better than uh, places like New York when it came to so-called deaths and other things related to the pandemic. But nobody wants to talk about that. We want to talk about the systemic failures, which don't necessarily come from policymakers. Some do, some don't. Like lockdowns actually made it worse for a lot of people in a lot of places. You know, look what happened in New York with the nursing homes, with Cuomo. Nobody wants to discuss that. In fact, the New York Times is is quite hell-bent on telling you what the problem is. It says state health agencies and the CDC have a long history of working collaboratively, but throughout the pandemic, elected state officials, particularly those in red states, have been reluctant to cede control. Oh, so that's what it's about. So as you get further down in the article, you realize the New York Times doesn't really care about public health. The bipartisan nonprofit group known as Commonwealth Fund Commission on a national public health system don't really care about public health. They don't really care about whether the federal government or a state government or a health department does or says or institutes the right policy. What they care about is in red states, they didn't cede control. That's what they care about. When the CDC asked states to sign agreements to share vaccination data with the federal government, for example, a number of states balked. Well, I don't know why they balked, but that's supposed to be a bad thing. I don't know why individual states decided not to share a lot of personal health data with the federal government. Maybe they should, maybe they shouldn't. But there were a lot of other things that state governments rightfully did, like not necessarily take all the CDC recommendations as policy and as law, where in New York, where I lived at the time, businesses and local cities thought that executive orders for recommendations were laws that had to be enforced unless you called them with the proper legalese, as I did, and got recordings of the health department stating that they could not enforce those executive orders because they were not laws and they simply relied on compliance of individual businesses and compliance of individual citizenry. But no, you would not be arrested. No, you would not be fined. No, you would not go to jail. They could threaten those things, but they couldn't actually carry them out. So it was all done with intimidation and fear. It wasn't done with the rule of law. It wasn't done with the strong arm of government. It was done through fear and intimidation of what would happen to you if you didn't abide by recommendations and policies. We recommend you do this. Well, I'm not going to do it. Well, you could go to jail. Well, I'm not going to do it. Okay. And that's how it works. That's how it works here in Arizona, too. Arizona is a lot different than New York. But when I moved here, they had similar mask issues in the city. But if you read the order from the city, they say they actually can't even enforce it because they don't have the authority to enforce those things, which is why these groups like the Commonwealth Fund want states to cede control to the federal government. Now, it's not really to the federal government. It's to those that control certain elements like the CDC of the federal government. So the CDC can step in and say, we have federal jurisdiction over local communities. And whether you want to participate or not, that's really beside the point. It doesn't really matter. We get to make that decision for you. Now, this is interesting for a lot of reasons, particularly because international health regulations were recently updated and changed, which gives the World Health Organization and their director the authority 
to make decisions for not only individual countries, but for individual sovereign states within the United States of America. A report from the panel, the one yesterday bringing this information, this health expert panel, calling Tuesday for an overhaul of the U.S. healthcare system, they said and cited, quote, archaic approaches to aggregating data, end quote, as one reason so many Americans have died. They called on Congress to give the Department of Health and Human Service Services authority to establish and enforce standards for data collection. See, that's what they really want. They want the data, and it's not because they want to see who got vaccinated or not. It's because they want to see who got vaccinated or not. They want to see who complied and who ceded their individual authority as much as they'd like to see local governments and states cede their sovereignty. Dr. Julie Gerbender a member of the panel served as CDC director at one point, said the pandemic, quote, taught us that we have to have a coordinated, integrated public health network that functions. And the only way that we can bring that together is by having a national approach. Dr. Julie Gerbending. Remember that name, Gerbending, former CDC director. The commission recommended very sweeping changes led by Dr. Margaret Hamburg, commissioner of the Food and Drug Administration at one point, calling for the creation of a new position under Secretary for Public Health within the Department of Health and Human Services to oversee the national public health system. Remember the name Dr. Margaret Hamburg. Now, this undersecretary for public health would coordinate the work of more than a dozen federal agencies that play a role in public health And at the end of the article, they tell you furthermore what this is really all about. The Undersecretary for Public Health, if one were created within the Department of Health and Human Services, would play a role in public health, sure, but they would have the power to set minimum health standards for states. So states aren't ceding control, so let's create a new department or a new position in an already existing department that will allow that individual and that department to set standards of health in individual states because those states have not ceded control and they haven't shared all their data. We need that data. We need that control. We need that power. Now, so much for a non-profit bipartisan panel. Sounds good, but what does it really mean? Well, it means... Dr. Julie Gerbinding, former CDC director, worked for the Bush administration. Dr. Margaret Hamburg, former commissioner of the Food and Drug Administration, worked for the Obama administration. Bipartisan, but when both parties are trying to bend you over a barrel, I'm not concerned, I'm not interested, I'm not really going to think that either party gives, you know, any thought of me. Or considering what the Bush administration did or the Obama administration did, I mean, the Bush administration, remember the wireless warrant, uh, remember the warrantless wiretapping of the Bush administration? Remember the putting journalists at black sites in places like Chicago and denying them basic human rights by the Obama administration? I don't think I'm going to trust Bush appointed or Obama appointed individuals to any form of government, let alone 
the CDC or the FDA. I don't think I'm going to trust those individuals when those two administrations violated basic fundamental human rights on a daily basis like it was a bodily function. And they're the ones that are part of a bipartisan panel that want red states in particular to, quote, seed control so that they can create a new part of government that they can control that will allow for that new part of government to set health standards for states. What do you think that's all about? That's all about the international health regulations. It's the same exact thing. The international health regulations that have been uh, adjusted and changed. International health regulations, which include the following allowing the World Health Organization to declare public health emergencies in states and determine mitigation procedures. That is both states as in governments and also individual states or perhaps provinces in individual countries. It also gives the World Health Organization the authority to deploy expert teams to assess nations. And that's what this independent, bipartisan, nonprofit organization says they want the CDC to be able to do, or some public health authority. They say that the CDC cannot, for example, investigate outbreaks of infectious disease in a particular state unless it has an invitation from a state to do so. So let me get this straight. The CDC can't come into an individual state without an invitation, right? And some states aren't turning over the data. And some states aren't, quote, ceding control. And some states don't want to abide by the health standards of the CDC. And some national governments don't want to participate in the World Health Organization's policy making, or they don't want to participate in these uh, world, really the World Economic Forum uh, policy decision making. So, so what happens? Well, just like the IHR being changed to allow the WHO to declare public health emergencies in states and to determine mitigation procedures and to deploy teams of experts to assess nations, any refusal from sovereign nations or individual states within those nations has to be submitted to the WHO and approved by a committee, basically a Politburo. And this is precisely what the Commonwealth Fund wants to do. They want to allow the federal government to override the sovereignty of states. They want those states to cede control. They want the data from those states, and they want to set health standards for those states without any form of consent or voting from the public. That is very authoritarian, and we're going to expand on that when we come back from break. I'm Ryan Gable. This is The Secret Teachings. Stay with us. The Secret Teachings radio show is on Facebook and Twitter. Just search facebook.com forward slash The Secret Teachings to like us and TST underscore underscore radio to tweet with us. This is David Icke from davidike.com, author of The Phantom Self and The Perception Deception, and you are listening to The Secret Teachings with Ryan Gable. From Ground Zero to The Secret Teachings, keep your dial tuned to Ground Zero Radio. You could listen to this. And again, you know, people say David has no evidence, David has no evidence. <laughs> I hate this channel. Or you could listen to The Secret Teachings with myself, Ryan Gable, five nights a week on Ground Zero Radio. Join us to explore the outer limits of history, symbolism, parapolitics, and more. 
We'll explore a little bit of everything, but don't take my word for it. I'm kind of like you. I'm a last of a dying breed, a generalist. That's The Secret Teachings, five nights a week on Ground Zero Radio. Are you intrigued by Paranormal Talk Radio? You'll love the new Paranormal Radio app from TalkStream Live. You'll find a great selection of talk shows covering UFOs, ghosts, strange phenomena, and much more. Download the Paranormal Radio app now and start listening to the very best in Paranormal Talk entertainment, including the network you're listening to right now, the Paranormal Radio app, free in Google Play and the iOS App Store. If you enjoy The Secret Teachings and want to hold years of Ryan's research in your hands, visit the website and grab a physical and digital copy of Ryan's books. Occult Arcana will introduce you to sacred myths, folklore, magic, and alchemy. The technological elixir will take you from transhumanism and AI to black goo and UFOs. Food philosophy will change your mind about what we call food, germ theory, and geoengineering. And remember, shipping is always included. Some restrictions exist for international. Visit thesecretteachings.info. People ask me all the time what they can do to take control of their lives when facing a daily onslaught of dis- and misinformation. I say take control of your body and mind with water filtration. Visit www.thesecretteachings.info and click on our affiliate sponsor link with Pro One Water Filters at the top of the page to search for a water filter for the home, camping trip, and even the shower. They filter countless contaminants and make a wonderful gift for friends, family, and yourself. That's Pro One Water Filters at thesecretteachings.info. This is one of the best discussions I've been on in a long time. You guys are right on it. Howdy, this is Joe Mars, and you're listening to The Secret Teachings. If anyone can hear this broadcast, I'm still on Earth. This is the frequency of Ground Zero Radio, Ground Zero with Clyde Lewis, and The Secret Teachings with myself, Brian Gable. are listening to the secret teachings radio i'm your host ryan gable thank you for joining us this afternoon tonight this morning wherever and whenever you are listening around the world we have a so-called bipartisan panel of non-profit individuals a non-profit group ultimately made of former bush and obama representatives that are advising an overhaul of the american health care system They made their proposal yesterday, June 21st, 2022, and the New York Times applauded up and down all over the place how great this panel's recommendations were for reorganizing and reshaping public health care systems in the United States. All of that sounds great. Bipartisan, nonprofit, a broken health care system, certainly. But who gets to put Humpty Dumpty back together again? That's the question. Well, Dr. Julie Gerberding, former member of the CDC, a former CDC director appointed by the Bush administration, or Dr. Margaret Hamburg of the FDA appointed by the Obama administration. Now, these are two administrations that over-exercised their executive authority. Remember all of the warrantless wiretapping of the Bush administration? Remember the cracking down on journalists by the Obama administration, sticking them in black sites, chaining them to the floor? You don't believe me? Go look it up. Type in Chicago black sites, journalists, 
Barack Obama. You'll see what the Obama administration did to journalists. You'll see, go back and look at the warrantless wiretapping of the Bush administration. The illegal declarations of war from the executive branch. Things that should have made both Obama and Bush victims of congressional investigation and victims of impeachment proceedings. But no, we're concerned over people with flags that ran into the Capitol like a bunch of morons. That's, that's considered an insurrection. But when presidents routinely violate their oath of office, their oath to the Constitution, their oath to the people of the United States, we say nothing so long as they're part of a bipartisan group. And they desire to give federal officials even more authority now to interstates over health concerns without permission, as the CDC now cannot do. They're advocating for absolute data collection, and the group desires states to cede control while they establish an undersecretary for public health who can develop what they call minimum. But minimum is another one of those words like nonprofit or bipartisan. It's meaningless. An undersecretary for public health within the Department of Health and Human Services that could set minimum health standards for states. So what that all means, if you're a little bit confused, is a bipartisan nonprofit group is suggesting that the federal government overhaul the public health system. And to do that, they give federal authorities total power over states, local governments, and even tribal lands. That's what the New York Times says. So that federal officials, without any permission from the states, can march into the state the CDC cannot do that now unless they're invited. So federal officials can have absolute access to data across all states. So there's one uniform, uh, uniform reporting system for healthcare things. The New York Times particularly talked about vaccines, of course. They want to know who got it, who didn't get it. And they want states to cede control. In fact, the New York Times says... State health agencies and the CDC have a long history of working collaborative, uh, collaboratively, but throughout the pandemic, elected state officials, particularly those in red states, have been reluctant to cede control. <gasps> they haven't ceded control to the federal government. So former Bush and Obama appointees are demanding the government makes those states cede control. And they also want to establish an undersecretary for public health in the Department of Health and human services who can develop health standards for states, essentially giving federal authorities in this one unelected bureaucratic-like appointed czar the authority to override state sovereignty and send their troops into those states to make determinations that states no longer get to make, governors no longer get to make, citizens no longer get to make. They will be able to acquire all data from all states, for everything from vaccines to if they put that little hammer on your knee and your knee goes out to test your reflexes, they want all the data, everything, collected in a database. They wish for states to willingly cede control, and they're looking to establish an undersecretary, someone who's not elected, someone who's appointed, or there's a rubber stamp on their election, for public health in the Department of Health and Human Services who will be developing health standards for states. Now, some of you remember 
back in May, May 22nd, the 75th World Health Assembly was held with the World Health Organization to discuss the global pandemic treaty, which is a real thing. And people were hashtagging stop the treaty, not realizing that it's not the treaty that's the problem. The treaty won't be finished for another two, three years or more. It's actually amendments to international health regulations, which include the following. Allowing the WHO to declare public health emergencies in states and determine mitigation procedures without the consent of the member states, including individual states like Arizona, Florida, Montana, Texas, whatever, in an individual country that might have provinces or individual states. So the WHO would be be able to determine uh, mitigation procedures. uh, They'd be able to make public health emergencies. They'd be able to declare them. They'd be able to deploy expert teams to assess nations. And if you don't want those expert teams, if you don't want the recommendations of the WHO, you have to go to the WHO and submit the reason why. And it has to be approved by a committee, a de facto world government that gets to decide how your country is run, how your province is run, how your state is run. There are no elected officials. There are appointed officials, and they get to decide how your life runs. And they can declare a public health emergency over anything. You saw what they tried to kind of do with monkeypox. That didn't really stick, though. Maybe it'll come back. Maybe monkeypox will come back. But for a while there, the CDC was ready to declare a state of emergency. They were rolling out monkeypox vaccines. wonder if anybody was dumb enough to go get a monkeypox vaccine. And now we're back to COVID vaccines, right? We're back to the five-year-olds, an independent panel But Governor Ron DeSantis in Florida, he doesn't want those vaccines. So they said that he's out of line with federal authorities. No, he's in line because the federal authorities don't control the state of Florida. And it doesn't matter what the state of Florida wants to do. They are a sovereign free state. And if you don't like it, go to another state or vote the people out of office. That's how the system works. If you don't want the system to function in that way, then you do not want representative government and you do not want a republic. You want a dictatorship where the federal government gets to tell you how to live your life, which is what a lot of people want. Have you seen anybody debating or arguing or protesting over abortion recently? The Supreme Court's supposed to make their decision in a couple of days, maybe a couple of weeks, maybe a few months, but likely in a few weeks, more likely in a few days, like by the end of next week, perhaps. We're not really sure, but it could be very soon. The Supreme Court's going to hand down their decision on the subject of abortion, just basically turning the the debate, the discussion, the vote over to individual states. Uh, The original Roe versus Wade doesn't even absolutely guarantee a right to abortion, it says. But people are protesting against that, not, not recognizing that their protests are not only illegal when they're trying to overturn or they're trying to influence a, a court decision by protesting and threatening judges. Not only is that illegal, but they say because the Supreme Court's making a decision they don't like, we should pack the Supreme Court, override congressional processes to get something passed in both the House and Senate, and then, of course, just use the president's pen to sign executive orders. If you want that, you don't believe in democracy. You don't believe in a republic. You don't believe in representative government. You believe in authoritarian control which is what this Bush-Obama orgy of nonprofit health experts, this bipartisan panel, wants the federal government to have the power to do. 
override state governments on all matters pertaining to public health. So Ron DeSantis, as governor, can't say we're not going to order a lot of those vaccines for five-year-olds and under, and we're not going to you know, promote that. Well, under this new health care system, he wouldn't be able to do that. The state of Florida would be controlled by a federal bureaucracy, an undersecretary who would have authority over 50 states. 50 different states would be under the authority of an individual who is put into power by God knows who, corporations, billionaire philanthropists, former Bush and Obama and other representatives. And this is precisely what the international health regulations have been amended to allow for the WHO to declare public health emergencies in states. That's what this independent bipartisan nonprofit panel wants. They want for an undersecretary to declare public health emergencies in states. I'm sure they would work directly with the World Health Organization. The WHO would give the order, and then the undersecretary would decide what to do next. Follow the order or be out of a job. The order is states, let's say, I don't know, Arizona doesn't want to participate. Well, Arizona's under a health emergency anyway. There's nothing the governor can do. That's what this is all about. The WHO can declare public health emergencies in states and determine mitigation procedures. That's what the undersecretary would be able to do. They'd be able to employ expert teams to assess nations. That's what the undersecretary would be able to do. And any refusals from sovereign nations or individual states have to be submitted to the WHO and approved by a committee. That's what the undersecretary would have to do. They would have to approve if a state chose to not allow teams to assess their individual localities and if they chose to override public health emergencies and say this isn't a public health emergency, the undersecretary could say, no, it is a public health emergency, and they would be taking their orders, we can assume, directly from the World Health Organization. We can assume because this New York Times article and this bipartisan panel of health experts, this nonprofit group of Obama and Bush uh, people, are doing the same thing. They're suggesting that we overhaul the healthcare system so that we allow legally in the United States, that's what this is about, we allow legally in the United States the overriding of state sovereignty and once we set that precedent, then we can connect and we can dock with the WHO, which has already been given the authority through IHR changes and amendments to do precisely what this independent nonprofit panel wants to do in the United States. They want states to secede sovereignty so they can dictate to them how to control the public under a health emergency or any declared public health emergency because they don't even have to provide proof of anything. They can just declare it. And who do you think is going to declare it in the United States? This is a world government, admittedly. Well, the Undersecretary for the Department of Health and Human Services, who would I would imagine work directly with the WHO and would get to decide what to do. That's what this is all about. An undersecretary who is going to take orders from the World Health Organization, we know that because the IHR amendments are precisely what was presented by the bipartisan panel of health experts. Very bipartisan, sure, technically, but not really bipartisan when you have former Obama and Bush lackeys. Not really nonprofit when they don't really have to worry about profit because they're financed otherwise, because they're paid individually, not collectively as a group. Not really health experts. They're 
individuals who take orders and who carry out the will of those that finance and fund them. I would imagine that you can find immediate connections if you start doing research on this panel to people that are in uh, that are in the World Health Organization or in uh, uh, other international health uh, agencies, uh, like this Dr. Julie Gerbending or this Dr. Margaret Hamburg. These organizations, these uh, these groups, these people that that want to dictate to you and to your state and to your country how you have to proceed in a public health emergency are the same kinds of people that lied to you during the last public health emergency. The CDC lied. The FDA lied. Well, they lied to a certain extent, right? They, they, they lied to the extent for which what, what was considered politically expedient. The CDC wasn't going to tell you that all their research on masks and all their research on who's going to you know, be labeled a, a victim of COVID-19, it was all very arbitrary. If you read the mask studies from the CDC, it's, it's on like a handful of people and it's circumstantial evidence. But since the CDC did the study, they can make the recommendation and the study becomes a fact and the recommendation becomes a law. That's how dictatorships work. That's how authoritarian regimes work. The FDA wasn't going to tell you that they pulled back uh, on the idea, never was a fact, that COVID-19 spread through surfaces. They retracted that very early on. They said it doesn't spread through surfaces. They never went back and addressed it. They said it doesn't spread through surfaces. And then the CDC said it doesn't spread through the air because they couldn't prove it. So where the hell does it spread from? Nobody wants to go and look at the little tiny details that make the whole story change. Changes the whole narrative, the whole story. Or the tens of thousands of people that were considered glitches in the CDC's death count. Nobody wants to talk about that. Why? Well, that's been, you know, if you talk about that, then the whole system falls apart. The whole story falls apart. Then we have no need to fix a corrupt and crumbling healthcare system by giving total authority over state sovereignty to an undersecretary in the Department of Health and Human Services who's going to answer directly to the World Health Organization who just got the authority from International Health Regulation amendments to do precisely what the undersecretary would be given the authority to do if they were created as another individual within another office, another position within the Department of Health and Human Services. You see the connection? That's what this is really all about. Control. It's about control. Now, you remember during the pandemic, a lot of uh, farms did not have demand for their products, so they poured out milk. Farms dumped vegetables. A lot of farms killed their pigs. They killed their, their cows. They killed a lot of animals because there was no demand for them. Thousands, tens of thousands were slaughtered. They were stunned, uh, stunned. They were, you know, had their throats slit. Tens of thousands, maybe even hundreds of thousands. Animals, you know, livestock, and then also just vegetables and grains wasted. And now there is a supply chain issue, we're told. And 
we're told that there has to be higher costs on energy and there's a slight food shortage. Even a food shortage here in the States isn't a food shortage like it is in some other countries. But we wasted so much. We wasted produce. We wasted livestock. And all for what? Oh, the chickens could have had, and that's, they could have had an avian flu, so we had to kill the chickens. That was a recent story. That wasn't even from COVID-19. An egg-laying facility in Iowa killed 5.3 million chickens, and they fired 200-plus workers. I mean, there could, have been, uh, there could have been some invisible particle floating around, so they had to kill the chickens. They had to lay these people off. That was uh, just a couple of months ago, back in April 2022. You look at these stories and you start to think, why waste all of that? Couldn't something have been done with it? What a waste of resources. What a waste of water. What a waste of you know the land use. And now the irony is we're supposedly experiencing shortages of certain foods, both animal products even vegetables, or at least the cost of those goods are going up because people are demanding them again. So we had it, we wasted it for no reason, and now we have to pay a premium to get back the scraps that are left over after we destroyed the system. Sounds very similar to what the communist Chinese did, the whole great leap forward, really a great leap backwards, where they destroyed the countryside, they destroyed villages and communities. They destroyed uh, the means of production, destroyed the food supply, made it look real good on paper. Everything was great, though, and millions of people starved to death. And we have the same level of incompetency running the system today, the same level of incompetency from the White House to the World Health Organization. Incompetent in the sense that they're not interested and you having affordable energy. They're not interested in you being able to travel, see your friends, family. They're not interested in you having lower energy costs. They're interested in advancing their agenda. They're interested in advancing the agenda of those who pay their bills. That's what they're interested in. Very few people care about the average citizen, the average person. Very few people care about how the rule of law is supposed to work. And that's why, since things seem really, really, let's call them, you know, let's call it negative. Things seem really negative. You know, prices are up and food shortage and all this stuff, right? So the, 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 every, everything about life just seems to be getting harder. But, but... We have the resources and we have the means to make life very easy. So why is it being made intentionally difficult? So you think the system is broken and you'll vote with your voice or perhaps you'll vote with your wallet or perhaps you'll vote with your politics to overturn the system. It's no different than people who think it's unfair that California has the same number of senators as Rhode Island. That's because... California also has more House members, more representatives from the House and, than Rhode Island does. But if you don't know how the government works, if you don't know what the rule of law is, then you don't understand that the system is being sabotaged. So 
a new system can be brought in in its place. The Department of Justice a few weeks ago has established a new panel, a new group, a new office, whatever they call it, that will now institute a policy of adhering to environmental law. But why do you need to create a new department to adhere to environmental law? Just direct you know, the, uh, the DOJ or direct the EPA to follow the laws that are on the books. We don't need more laws. But what creating a new branch of the DOJ does to handle climate concerns is it creates a, a climate czar, essentially, and it creates a branch that can target companies and individuals and states through the Department of Justice. This is a real thing that will allow them to cherry pick what person, what group, what individual, what state has to pay what fine or has to, you know, m- might be prosecuted over some, you know, a benign arbitrary standard based on the laws that exist. So it's basically weaponizing the laws that exist to go after people who are your political opponents under the guise of climate. Otherwise, if that wasn't the goal, you don't need to create a new office. Just enforce the laws that are already there. Don't create a new office to enforce those laws arbitrarily on states, companies, groups, and individuals who don't abide by your very, very strict and authoritarian and dystopian and draconian climate policies, which are not even policies. They're ideas that are turned into laws because people think when the CDC says you should do something that it becomes a law. We don't understand how the system works because the system is being undermined. So we accept that it is broken and we believe that the only way to fix things is to, well, let's create a new branch of the DOJ. Let's create an undersecretary of public health in the Department of Health and Human Services. If we do that, we'll be able to to fix all the problems. We'll be able to send federal authorities into states so they can determine what's best. Not the governors, not the legislature, not the people. We need federal officials that are unelected, that are appointed to make these decisions for us because we're too stupid to make those decisions for ourselves. Think about all those dead animals, all that destroyed food, all the destroyed milk, all that waste, all that waste. And now we're being told that part of the reason we're experiencing, quote, shortages is because of climate change. It's not because we poured out the milk, we threw out the vegetables, and we killed millions of animals. I don't know if it's millions. I think it's, it's a couple hundred thousand. Uh, we definitely killed millions of chickens recently over something uh, different than COVID-19. I mean, these, these chickens could add avian influenza. It's probably tens of millions of animals, so that we wasted all that. And now, in Kansas, 2,000 cattle turned up dead virtually overnight in the southwest of the state. Just a couple of, uh, couple of days ago. 2,000. And they're blaming this on heat. And saying that the cows are too hot, it's too humid in Kansas, that's why the cattle died. And yes, it's always hot this time of the year, it is the summer solstice, but it's not cooling down at night, so the cattle are hot at night too, and then they're dying. 
And if that were the case, cattle should be dying all over the place, not in what seem like random places, a few here, a few there, or 2,000 dying in the same place at the same time. Don't you think some cattle might be able to withstand the heat? But then you look at it closer and you realize back in March, March 23rd, the FDA approved gene-edited beef cattle that are resistant to heat stress. What a convenient, convenient, convenient thing. Cattle start dying of heat. we got to do something about this climate change. What could we do? Oh, thank God the FDA approved gene-edited cattle that are resistant to heat. That's the solution. I'm Ryan Gable. This is The Secret Teachings. TheSecretTeachings.info is the website. Please go to our website, subscribe to the archive, grab a copy of one of my books. Email us at rdgable at yahoo.com. Find us on social media, tst underscore underscore radio at facebook.com forward slash the secret teachings. There's a lot more after this. Stay with us. You are listening to The Secret Teachings. To contact the show, to share information and your opinion, or give recommendations, email rdgable at yahoo.com. Visit the Facebook page, facebook.com forward slash The Secret Teachings, or visit the website at www.thesecretteachings.info. This is Linda Godfrey, author of Monsters Among Us, and you are listening to The Secret Teachings with Ryan Gable. Broadcasting from somewhere between heaven, hell, and purgatory, it's The Secret Teachings on Ground Zero Radio. Release the Kraken! You could listen to this. And again, you know, people say David has no evidence, David has no evidence. I hate this channel. Or you could listen to The Secret Teachings with myself, Ryan Gable, five nights a week on Ground Zero Radio. Join us to explore the outer limits of history, symbolism, parapolitics, and more. We'll explore a little bit of everything, but don't take my word for it. I'm kind of like you. I'm a last of a dying breed, a generalist. That's The Secret Teachings, five nights a week on Ground Zero Radio. So, you love talk radio, then you'll love TalkStreamLive.com. TalkStream Live is always on, 24-7, with the best streaming talk shows. Find your favorite talkers and discover some new ones. It's free, readily available online, or on mobile with any smartphone or tablet. Finding your favorite talk shows all in one place has gotten a whole lot easier. Just go to TalkStreamLive.com. Be sure to download the free apps from Google Play or the iTunes App Store. Do you like The Secret Teachings and Ryan's passionately balanced approach to subjects from food and health to the entertainment industry and the occult? Then check out Ryan's books, available in PDF and softcover with free shipping in the United States. For a deeper look into artificial intelligence, UFO cults, black goo, and packs made with the devil in the music and entertainment industry, have a look at the technological elixir. Or look for Ryan's masterpiece, Occult Arcana, an encyclopedia of occult knowledge spanning from mythology and science to symbols and sigils, from ritual magic to voodoo, and from comparative religion and psychic abilities to paranormal activity. Just visit thesecretteachings.info. Hello, folks. This is Jordan Maxwell 
and you're listening to The Secret Teachings. Excellent shows. Keep listening with your host, Ryan Gable. Think about your hero when you're at ground zero and call out to the fallout back to me. Attention, you are tuned into restricted airspace. Tune out immediately. This is the frequency of the secret teachings on Ground Zero Radio. Welcome back to the Secret Teachings Radio broadcast. This is Ground Zero Radio, and this is the Secret Teachings airing Monday through Friday, 10 p.m. to midnight Pacific after Clyde Lewis and Ground Zero. Thank you so much for joining us this morning, this afternoon, tonight, whenever and wherever you are listening around the world. Our website is thesecretteachings.info, and on the website you can find our archive, my books, and our behind-the-scenes content on Patreon, along with our affiliate sponsors, Pro One Water Filters and Transistor FM, which hosts our private archive for members of our website, for subscribers. If you subscribe to the show, if you grab a copy of one of my books, it supports this show, it allows us to stay on air and do what we do Monday through Friday. It takes a lot of effort, a lot of work, a lot of stress, a lot of sweat to prepare this show. Monday through Friday, or to prepare any radio show, do the research, do the printing, do the highlighting, do all the things that need to be done to set the show up, the promotions, the pictures, the montages, etc. So when you buy something and support this show, different than supporting Aftermath and Clyde Lewis, though, you should subscribe to his archive separately. Our archive is not part of his archive. But if you want our archive, you have to subscribe separately to it. It supports us. It allows us to do what we do. And I greatly appreciate all of those who have bought a book, subscribe to the show, and even email me and let me know what you think of the show, rdgable at yahoo.com. That's rdgable at yahoo.com. You know, the, the whole system, everything from health to food, everything is being undermined to allow for a total reset, including the means and methods of food production. Governments issued lockdowns and business shutdowns which cultivated artificial economic disaster. I'll never forget this headline from the New York Times back in March 2022, updated, published though, in April of 2020. This is what it said. Dumped milk, smashed eggs, plowed vegetables, food waste during the pandemic. Lots of food was wasted. Tens of millions of animals were slaughtered, not for food, but because there was no reason to have those animals alive. They weren't going to contribute to anything. They were actually going to become a liability. So when meat plants closed, pigs were gassed and shot instead. Millions of pigs were euthanized. Millions of animals Depending on the animal, some animals less than others, but pigs were slaughtered by the millions. Milk was dumped out, eggs were smashed, vegetables were plowed. This has the hallmark of the economic incompetency or the intentional undermining and destruction of an economy 
just like the communist Chinese did during the revolution in the late 40s into the 1950s. During the Great Leap Forward, they squandered food, they squandered resources, they squandered human life. And whether intentional or not, this blundering of government policy over fear of an invisible particle, the issuing of lockdowns and business shutdowns, and because people weren't demanding it anymore, the slaughtering of millions of pigs just for the slaughtering of millions of pigs because there was no demand, the slaughtering of cattle, the pouring out of milk, the smashing of eggs, and the destruction of vegetables. All that food, all that food, ready to eat, ready to be processed. And of course, dozens of food processing facilities have been shut down over fires, explosions, and plane crashes, as we've talked about in the past. One might think that this is quite intentional to undermine the system, to bring people to their knees, and to demand a new system, because clearly representative government doesn't work. Clearly, a republic does not function the way it's supposed to function. Clearly, the only solution to this is collectivization. Clearly, the only solution to this is a global governing body like the World Health Organization. The IHR, the International Health Regulations, were just overhauled and amended to allow the WHO to declare public health emergencies in states, determine mitigation procedures in states, deploy expert teams to assess nations. If states refuse, they have to give a submission. They have to submit a a reason, to give a reason that has to be approved by a global government, uh, basically a Politburo committee. Now in the United States, a nonpartisan, now in the United States, a bipartisan nonprofit group of Bush and Obama appointees is suggesting, as of 24 hours ago on the 21st of June 2022, that the American healthcare system is overhauled. This group called, it's a nonprofit uh, group called Commonwealth Fund Commission on a National Public Health System. The Commonwealth Fund wants to give federal officials authority to enter states over health concerns without permission, just like the WHO was given that authority by the amended IHR regulations, international health regulations, just like the CDC cannot do right now. They have to have permission from states to go into those states. They're also advocating for absolute data collection, and the group desires states to cede control and establish an undersecretary for public health in the Department of Health and Human Services who can develop health standards for states. So basically, the undersecretary would be given the same authority that the WHO Director General was just given with the amended IHRs. Therefore, I would imagine the undersecretary of the Department of Health and Human Services would have no other authority to answer to except the World Health Organization. The same way the Department of Justice is setting up a climate department to prosecute climate crimes basically it's a ministry of of uh, environmentalism in essence we already have um, agencies to do this we have an epa we have a department of justice why create a new branch to specifically handle those things well it's because just like the obama administration using the irs to go after political rivals they're going to use the department of justice to further go after environmental rivals or political rivals find them prosecute them, etc., in a very arbitrary way. It's all about control. It's all about power. 
But the situation gets weirder when you start to look at post-pandemic and how there are food shortages. There are increases in the cost of living and the cost of uh, fuel and the cost of heating and cooling and the cost of electricity, despite the fact they're telling you to plug your electric cars in to save the environment. I mean, one would be hard-pressed to look at the evidence and not think that, to some extent, small or large, this was very well organized. In other words, it was planned. Maybe that's my conspiratorial mind, but it seems all too convenient. When you read things like this, what I'm about to read you, you start to realize there's no such thing as coincidence. You might not have to follow the money, but follow the dates. Read the details. Read in between the lines. A few days ago, in the southwest of the state of Kansas, about 2,000 cattle dropped dead. Normally when cattle drop dead, and it's mysterious, we blame UFOs or military labs. This time... Heat waves are being blamed. June 11th through the 12th, that weekend in western Kansas, southwestern Kansas, saw 2,000 cattle dead due to, quote, high temperatures and humidity, according to Reuters fact check. Cattle could not cool down overnight because temperatures remain very high overnight. They don't give us specifics. They just say temperatures remain very high. High temperatures, humidity, and the lacking of cooler temperatures at night all led together, all led to the death of these cattle. And maybe a keen observer might ask the logical question if it really is because of heat waves and the temperature not cooling down or dropping at night. Why wouldn't more cattle be dying all over the country? It's actually cooler here in Tucson, Arizona, which is one of the hottest places in the country. It's actually cooler here now than it was four years ago when I lived here. It's been like top top 80s, low 90s all week. It's been 100 a couple of days. It's been kind of humid because of the rain, but it's been cloudy. It's actually cooler now than it was four years ago when I lived here. And I told you last, uh, last Monday, two nights ago, that uh, we did a show called Cool Your Jet Streams, that the public is being told that these are intense heat waves that are, that are new and it's making uh, the Southwest in particular uninhabitable. Not true. I live in the Southwest. That's not true. It's not uninhabitable. For some people, maybe, but it's not uninhabitable. It's very habitable. It's actually cooler now than it was four years ago. But what they're saying is that it's been hotter on certain days based on arbitrary records. So they'll say, like, based on uh, data from June you know, 19th, this is the hottest day of June 19th in X number of years, but that's only for that specific day. It might be hotter that day, but overall it might actually be cooler. Like it could have been hotter here today than it was four years ago, but overall 
it could have actually been cooler here this summer in Tucson than it has been in years. Heat waves peaked in the 1930s based on data collected from the 1890s. Heat waves peaked in the 1930s and they dropped and then peaked and dropped and peaked and dropped and peaked and dropped. But the 30s saw the highest peak in consistent day-to-day heat waves. We're at an increase now in 2022, but it will drop back down again by the end of the decade. That's how the data always works. Up, down, up, down, up, down, up, down, up, down. There's a lot of factors involved in that. The jet stream, the sun, the moon, etc. So why aren't more cattle dying? Why is it just this one isolated case of 2,000 cattle dropping dead overnight? And even if 2,000 cattle drop dead overnight, I mean, you can take human beings, put them in a very hot environment. Some people will succumb to heat stroke, others not as easily. I'm from Florida. I, I can tolerate a lot of heat. I love heat. I can't stand cold weather. I can't stand uh, if it's below 75, 80 degrees. I'm, getting, I'm starting to get cold. I like hot weather. I can stand in the sun at 110 and be comfortable. I like that. So I can survive that. Other people can survive that weather. I'd imagine that some cows are going to be able to survive a slight increase of temperature overnight. I find it very suspicious 2,000 cows died in the same place virtually at the same time, and it's blamed on heat waves, which aren't any different than they have been over the last 70, 80, 90 years, last century. Yet, based on a paper published in The Lancet, researchers estimated heat stress in animals is described as, quote, one of the major climate change impacts on domesticated livestock end quote, and that it could lead to annual losses of multiple billions of dollars for the global cattle production industry by the end of the century. Now, I don't eat meat. I don't eat animal products, but I'm not a vegan. I choose to eat plants because, well, it's made me healthier. It's superior uh, quality, I believe. That's a personal opinion. I do not like animal products, and I um, I, I like the taste of them. I, I like what I can do with plants. It's not all the same brown fried color. That's my, my opinion. If you want to eat meat, that's fine. But I don't eat plants because I've been told that I'm a menace to the planet and because the planet is going to explode in flames because of me consuming meat. The animal industry, of course, does cause a tremendous amount of pollution, but our world is less polluted today than it was 50 years ago or 100 years ago. We need to put these things into context. The thing that interests me is there are a lot of people that are environmentalists that don't really care about, you know, that they care about the welfare of the animals and the planet, but they don't really care enough to not eat the meat. So they contribute to it. So they talk about billions of dollars lost because more cattle like this are going to die. And I can't help but think it's all too convenient for these cattle to die during a heat wave when just a few weeks ago, we go back, this is mid-June 2022, we go back to late March. So we're talking two and a half months ago. Listen to this from the FDA. FDA makes low-risk determination for marketing of products from genome-edited beef cattle after a safety review. And do you know what the FDA approved with this genetic engineering of these cattle? 
cattle that could be genetically engineered to withstand hot weather. That's literally what it says from the FDA. Low-risk determination for marketing of products from genome-edited beef cattle after a safety review. Reports in scientific literature indicate that cattle with this extremely short, slick hair coat are potentially able to better withstand hot weather. Cattle that are comfortable in their environment are less likely to experience temperature-related stress may result in improved food production. Why has there been a drop in food production, though? Because of government policies, man-made policies. Because we threw out the vegetables, we plowed them over, we dumped out the milk, we smashed the eggs because of COVID-19. Farmers slaughtered millions of pigs, literally millions of pigs. Meat processors slaughtered other animals for meat production, including chickens. 5.3 million chickens were just slaughtered in Iowa because of an avian flu concern. Humans are destroying the resources, the means and the modes and the methods of production. And as a result of that, and because of lockdowns and because of uh, other restrictions, policies, export, import bans, or whatever the, the public is being told, but it's, it's never what we're being told, of course. All of these things are leading to higher costs of food, higher costs of energy, etc. It's all convenient because we've been told that meat has to be done away with in order to save the planet, right? But the FDA approves genetically engineered cattle with coats so they can withstand hot weather. I mean... Maybe the FDA didn't get the notice that we're not trying to save the cattle. We're not trying to save the meat industry. We're trying to destroy the meat industry. We're trying to convince people that it's an unsustainable system, which in large part it is, in very large part it is. But the solution to that problem is not to kill all the pigs, kill all the cattle because of a man-made disaster. The U.S. Food and Drug Administration announced this low-risk determination to compound what they've done in recent years, giving thumbs up to five applications for five gene-edited animals, chickens, goats, salmon, rabbit, and pigs. The latest approval is the first of the FDA making these uh, new determinations based on genomic alteration that can be passed on to offspring. The modified cattle are products of the company's sub, uh, subsidiary company, bioengineering company, Recombi. Genetics, recombinetics. Their Angus cattle called PRLR Slick were genetically edited using CRISPR to grow short and slick hair, reducing their vulnerability to hot weather. Very convenient, wouldn't you say? 2,000 cattle go dead in Kansas. It must be a heat wave. Even though heat waves are far lower today than they were back in the 30s. Must be a heat wave, though. So conveniently... A company called Recombinetics has an Angus cattle that is genetically modified to withstand increased temperatures. And the FDA approved this back in March, 
not even three months prior to the first case of, oh my God, cattle are dying of heat stroke. What are we going to do? Well, Recombinetics has a solution. They have genetically modified cattle that can withstand heat. Huh. What a coincidence, right? You know, cattle have been used for medical research for for hundreds of years. Uh, From Edward Jenner to the United States Department of Agriculture. And whenever they turn up dead, we usually look for diseases that could spread to humans. Sometimes they're mutilated in surgical fashion. Sometimes we wonder if that was caused by humans or otherworldly beings or maybe both. Maybe uh, by military laboratories. Maybe they're working with aliens. I don't know. In 2022, earlier this year, National Geographic reported papers, research, into contagious injections, so in contagious vaccines that could be spread between hosts without consent or knowledge. The goal of the research was to end bovine tuberculosis, and it dates back to the 1980s, initially being tested on rabbits in Spain in 1999. Some of you might remember we talked about this. It was not approved, however, by the European Medicines Agency because of, well, the dangers. In 2021, the Agricultural Research Service began experimenting with bacterium proteins to develop a cocktail for protecting cattle from diseases like paratuberculosis. In 2008, the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation gave money to Jiki Medical University in Japan to produce a transgenic mosquito as a flying syringe to deliver malaria injections via saliva. Now, whether it's the Agricultural Research Service or it's the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation, both have experimented on animals and insects to create, quote-unquote, cocktails of genetically engineered vaccines or genetically engineered mosquitoes or animals that could spread, like flying syringes in the case of the mosquitoes, malaria injections via saliva. So the ARS has worked on bacterium proteins to develop what amount to a cocktail for protecting cattle from disease, genetically modified uh, uh, products. And the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation has done this with mosquitoes. And now the FDA has approved heat-resistant Angus cattle in the event that there might be heat waves. And then, oh, suddenly, a few weeks later, there's a heat wave that kills 2,000 cattle And we need these genetically modified cattle that can withstand heat. Genetically modified cattle that can withstand heat. Do you see all of this piecing together? And what ends up happening is you have people online that make these these statements like, well, Bill Gates must be behind it. And then Reuters, here comes Reuters with a fact check article from June 20th. No, Bill Gates is not behind the, the cattle dying. No, that's... That's just hysteria. That's just conspiracy theory. No, people say that it's always hot this time of the year, but it's really not. And it doesn't matter if it's the summer solstice. doesn't matter if Bill Gates has investments in delivering vaccines through genetically engineered mosquitoes. doesn't matter if the Agricultural Research Service experiments with uh, bacterium proteins to create what amount to uh, cocktails or vaccines for protecting cattle from diseases doesn't matter if uh, contagious injections could be spread uh, between hosts without consent or without knowledge, as reported by the National Geographic, about research that goes back to 1999. It doesn't matter if these uh, genetically modified products 
that we call uh, Angus cattle can actually spread this genetic alteration, this genetic um, product to their offspring. None of that matters. None of that matters. None of that's true, but it is true. We're just supposed to believe that because of a disease, we had to dump out all the milk, crush all the eggs, plow all of the vegetables and kill all the animals. And then as that health emergency starts to dissipate, we use the broken system and the poor policies to demand that something be done to the healthcare system. So we want to give total control to an undersecretary of public health through the Department of Health and Human Services so that they can override state governments. They can force state governments to cede to their authority. They can collect all the data from states and they can set health standards for states. Meanwhile, international health regulations have just given the same authority to the World Health Organization director, who would then, we can assume, work with the undersecretary for the Department of Health and Human Services to make these dictates and to determine what people could do, what states could do in the event of a public health emergency. Meanwhile, the federal government has been experimenting with contagious vaccines and protein uh, uh, from bacterium to create vaccines to protect cattle, experimenting on cattle, and the FDA has approved genetically modified cattle to withstand heat waves, and then here's a heat wave that kills cattle. Here's the genetically modified cattle to protect you know, your, your investment from, from heat waves because of climate change. It all seems like one big incestuous relationship, doesn't it? It seems like supply chain issues, it seems like energy costs are benefiting greatly. Oil companies, they're benefiting greatly those people in power, Democrat and or Republican. It seems like food shortages and energy costs are harshly affecting the general public, but it benefits those in power because they don't have any incentive to make life easier for you. What they'll do is they'll encourage the rising of costs, they'll encourage uh, corporate greed, they'll encourage inflation, etc., and then they'll give you an 18-cent gas holiday, right? That's what the Biden administration is doing. They create this narrative in the media. It's heat waves, heat waves, heat waves, heat waves, heat waves. Oh, we actually have genetically modified cattle for the heat. It's just like when Monsanto Bayer said, we've got genetically modified uh, seeds that can withstand uh, high levels of aluminum and other forms of heavy metals in the atmosphere, why would you need that? Well, there's atmospheric aerosol spraying programs that are dumping heavy metals into the atmosphere, into the soil. Conveniently, they have a, a seed that can withstand those heavy metals. Conveniently, they have a cow that can withstand the increased temperatures. And we're supposed to think that's coincidental. I'm Ryan Gable. This is The Secret Teachings. There's more coming up after this. You don't want to miss the final segment. It's going to get... Uh, it's going to get weird, and it's, it's something that you should you should be very aware of. Uh, this whole story about sperm concentrations and uh, vaccines, we're going to talk about that when we come back from break. Probably not what you think. I'm Ryan Gable. This is The Secret Teaching. Stay with us. You're listening to The Secret Teachings. For more information on the show or to contact Ryan, visit thesecretteachings.info or email ryan at rdgable at yahoo.com. Hey, this is John Peasy at johnpeasy.com, and I'm here with Ryan Gable from The Secret Teachings. It's The Secret Teachings, one of the homes of the original Super Bowl analysis, airing exclusively five nights a week 
on Ground Zero Radio. If you're interested in all things that include the occult, from witchcraft to voodoo, and from mythology to alchemy, then why not check out the book Occult Arcana, complete with hundreds of beautiful images. Maybe you want to look at technology, black goo, UFOs, and demonic pacts made in the entertainment industry. Check out the technological elixir, black goo, transhumanism, and invoking AI. Or if that's not enough and you want a practical look at food, lifestyles, and ingredients, even those in your pet food, with free solutions to better health, then check out Food Philosophy. All three of these books are available in softcover or PDF at www.thesecretteachings.info That's where you can read reviews, see pictures, and even order yours today. Are you intrigued by Paranormal Talk Radio? You'll love the new Paranormal Radio app from TalkStream Live. You'll find a great selection of talk shows covering UFOs, ghosts, strange phenomena, and much more. Download the Paranormal Radio app now and start listening to the very best in Paranormal Talk entertainment, including the network you're listening to right now. The Paranormal Radio app, free in Google Play and the iOS App Store. You could listen to this. And again, you know, people say David has no evidence. David has no evidence. I hate this channel. Or you could listen to The Secret Teachings with myself, Ryan Gable, five nights a week on Ground Zero Radio. Join us to explore the outer limits of history, symbolism, parapolitics, and more. We'll explore a little bit of everything, but don't take my word for it. I'm kind of like you. I'm a last of a dying breed, a generalist. That's The Secret Teachings, five nights a week on Ground Zero Radio. This is Kev Baker of The Kev Baker Show, and you're listening to The Secret Teachings with Ryan Gable. Broadcasting from somewhere between the normal and abnormal. A collection of question marks. No reason, no explanation. Just a prolonged nightmare in which fear, loneliness, and the unexplainable walk hand in hand through the shadows. It's The Secret Teachings on Ground Zero Radio. I'm Ryan Gable, your host, and this is The Secret Teachings Radio. I'll give you a brief recap, and then we're going to talk about something that myself and others have been um, at least concerned with. I don't, know, I don't want to say warning. I just want to say concerned with relating to sperm concentrations in males and how those sperm concentrations can be affected by certain mRNA technology. We have a big study out of Israel on that very subject. But before we can get to that, let's recap very quickly that we have a bipartisan panel of nonprofit individuals that worked for the Obama and Bush administration advising an overhaul of the American health care system on June 21st, yesterday. This nonprofit bipartisan panel said that we need to do some things to overhaul the American health care system. They desire giving federal officials authority to enter states over health concerns without permission. 
which the CDC right now cannot do. They're advocating for absolute data collection. They want an undersecretary for public health in the Department of Health and Human Services. They want states to cede control willingly, and they want to develop health care standards for states through that undersecretary for public health. Now, that authority was eerily just granted to the World Health Organization through a revision of international health regulations, essentially implying that an undersecretary would carry out the demands of the WHO. As I said earlier, the entire system is being undermined to allow for a total reset. That includes the means and methods of food production. Governments issuing lockdowns and business shutdowns created an artificial economic disaster wherein millions of pigs and cattle were killed without demand and milk, eggs, and veggies were destroyed in one of the biggest wastes of resources in probably American history. As dozens of food processing and manufacturing facilities have now been shut down over fires, over explosions, over plane crashes, or in some cases, avian flu, avian flu that results in 5.3 million chickens being killed in Iowa. Now cattle are dying, not from human hands, but from heat waves. And conveniently, the FDA has now cleared not three months ago, genetically engineered cattle able to withstand increased heat. And these cattle can also pass these genes down to their offspring. According to the FDA, back in late March, early April 2022, reports and scientific literature indicate that cattle with this extremely short, slick hair coat are potentially able to better withstand hot weather. I love that. Potentially able. They could potentially withstand hotter weather, but we're not sure. Then why did you approve it? You don't even know the consequences of altering those genes. And you're not even guaranteed that the gene alteration is going to allow the cattle to withstand hotter weather. According to the FDA, cattle that are comfortable in their environment are less likely to experience temperature-related stress and may result in improved food production. So if they're comfortable in their environment, maybe we could remove them from the shackles and the rape cages that are modern animal agriculture and dairy production. Perhaps if the cattle weren't living in their own feces up to halfway up their leg, maybe if they weren't pumped full of antibiotics, maybe if they weren't witnessing their babies be taken and put in crates or beaten to death or thrown to the side or in a pit by a, by a cat tractor, maybe the cattle wouldn't be stressed. But instead of, I don't know, revising the laws or the policies or maybe, I don't know, implementing and uh, going after companies that do these kinds of things and maybe making, uh, not that animal agriculture is humane, but maybe making it a little more humane, maybe like using the FDA or the USDA to, to carry out the rule of law. No, screw that. We'll just genetically engineer the cattle to not be as stressful in those environments. It, it, it's just like scientists are working on uh, gene technology where they can genetically engineer you to lower your cholesterol. Or you could just stop eating cholesterol-ridden foods. But we wouldn't want to do that now, would we? We wouldn't want to take responsibility now, would we? We'd rather have our genes edited so our cholesterol is artificially low. We wouldn't want to fix the agricultural system. We'd rather just genetically engineer the cattle to adapt to our system. 
This is the problem that we have with genetic engineering. We are forcing nature to conform to our demands. This is the problem we have with science. We are forcing data to conform to our preconceived conclusions. Or we're simply ignoring the data entirely. I love how everybody's protesting the Supreme Court. Everybody's so mad about abortion, not understanding that when Roe versus Wade is partially or fully overturned, states will then get to decide and you'll still be able to have an abortion in those states and then everybody can shut their mouth and go to the clinic and have the baby ripped out of them. It'll still be legal in virtually every single state as long as you were raped, the victim of incest, or you do it before 15 weeks. Regardless of that, though, the Supreme Court has been doing a lot more than trying to overturn, you know, your right to abortion, which you never had one. Absolutely, according to Roe versus Wade, if you read it, the Supreme Court is handing out judgments on a lot of things this week on uh, religious liberty, on the scope of uh, prosecution for gun crimes. And the Supreme Court has rejected Bayer Monsanto's bid to stop roundup lawsuits. If you read through the actual court decision, it's pretty balanced like all other court decisions. For the most part, there's balance to it at least. And what it does is it's rejecting an environmental protection agency finding from 2020 that glyphosate does not pose a serious health risk and is, quote, not likely to cause cancer in humans. The appellate court ordered the EPA to reexamine its finding. So the EPA is going to have to reexamine its finding. This is how the system is supposed to work. The EPA didn't do a good job or they were influenced by industry to not do a good job. They altered the science to adhere to preconceived conclusions and checks that were written by the industry. So the Supreme Court looked at it and said, okay, and this is a conservative Supreme Court, which, you know, for the most part, they're considered to be people that hate the environment. They told the EPA, well, you need to go back and you need to look at at the data again. Seems pretty fair to me. But no, hey, hey, ho, ho, fascist scum has got to go, right? Because people don't know how the Supreme Court's supposed to work. That doesn't mean everything they decide is is the, 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 the rule of God, you know, it, I mean, it becomes part of the law of the land, but things can be overturned. That's the whole point of the system. A little bit that direction, a little bit that direction, a little bit this direction, a little bit this direction. Things change over time. Our perceptions change over time. Maybe we should just overturn the whole system, right? If we overturn the whole system, then, well, I mean, let's get rid of the EPA, get rid of the FDA, get rid of the USDA. They lie, right? Who, who needs to wash their hands? Who needs to wash their vegetables? Who needs to pay attention to, to how much cholesterol you consume? You could just genetically alter yourself to not produce it. And if cattle are dying of heat, just genetically engineer them to withstand heat. I have in front of me here an article from Israel. It's from the Sackler Medical School, various sperm banks, and other sources, doctors and scientists who conducted a study on BNT162B2, a COVID-19 vaccine, and how it affects sperm. According to the article, a retrospective longitudinal multicenter comparison reveals temporary sperm concentration reduction three months post BNT162B2 vaccination and later recovery. 
The article says the objective of the study was to investigate the effect of COVID-19 BNT162B2 Pfizer vaccine on semen parameters among semen donors. 37 semen donors from three sperm banks provided 220 samples and were included in that retrospective longitudinal multicenter cohort study. Repetitive measurements revealed a negative 15.4% sperm concentration decrease, leading to total motel count of 22.1% reduction. Semen volume and sperm motility were not impaired, just the amount of sperm that was concentrated in the sample. The study focused on sperm donations or semen donations that were selected from temporary sperm concentration and TMC deterioration three months after vaccination, followed by later recovery verified by diverse statistical analysis. They're saying that they, they analyze the sperm, uh, a selective temporary sperm concentration. Obviously, you know, it, it depends on what you're eating. It depends on your stress, et cetera, and how the, how that uh, concentration deteriorated and, and what the situation was in the body after you had received the vaccine. And then after you had recovered uh, from from any potential effects. So this this article has been shopped around the internet quite obsessively over the last uh, day or so. I saw a meme yesterday that said unvaccinated sperm is the new Bitcoin. <laughs> kind of thought that was funny. It says the current study composed of 37 semen donations and 220 semen samples over four time periods demonstrates selective temporary deterioration of sperm concentration three months after vaccination. They say that the results were not solely observed by repetitive analysis, but also by using a single sample as well as samples mean per donor for each time frame. Therefore, the long-term impact of BNT162B2 vaccine Seems safe, they say. It seems safe. Therefore, rather than a direct effect on testicular cells, we believe that systemic immune response is a more reasonable explanation for the temporary concentration decline. You know, what always irritated me was when people would say that everybody who died was dying of COVID-19, which was not true. People were not dying of COVID-19. They were dying of other things, and it was being categorized as COVID-19. Yes, people died. But it also irritates me when people say that everybody dying now is dying from the vaccine. That's not any more accurate or true. People might be getting sick from it officially. Some people have died from it officially, but only 5% of the million people or so that died in the United States died of COVID-19 officially. 95% died of other things. They just died with COVID-19. There's a difference with and from. And now people are peddling this on the internet, on alternative media, websites, radio shows, etc., saying, oh, look, COVID-19 vaccines, they kill your sperm. Well, they lower the concentration based on the study, but the authors of the study say, rather than a direct effect on testicular cells, we believe that systemic immune response is a more reasonable explanation for the temporary concentration decline. Now, obviously this study would have been retracted or it would never have been allowed, never have been accepted if they had said the vaccine is causing this. It's not just a, you know, it's not just a, an immune response, which is funny because a systemic immune response because of a temporary um, 
a temporary systemic immune response because of the vaccine is the vaccine causing the drop in the sperm concentration. A systemic immune response is a more reasonable explanation for the temporary concentration decline. Well, that would be the vaccine causing that, but they have to word it in a way so it doesn't look like the vaccine's causing it. It's just a systemic immune response to the vaccine. Okay, call it whatever you want. It's still the vaccine causing it. But the scientists said that they still believe the vaccine is safe, and they said that our findings should support vaccinations programs. Further studies concerning the subject and on different vaccines and populations are urgently required. Now, remember a few minutes ago, and in the last segment, we talked about these genetically engineered cattle, right? And these cattle were approved by the FDA to withstand heat back in March 2022. And just a About three months later, not even fully three months, you have cattle dropping dead in Kansas from heat, and people are wondering, why is this happening? What can we do about this? We've got to save the environment from climate change. What can we do? Well, we can have genetically modified cattle. Oh, thank God the FDA approved that just a few weeks ago. Very convenient, don't you think? Very, very convenient. So just like how that's convenient, I don't know about you, but I find it very convenient that the New England Journal of Medicine showed that women could have spontaneous abortions after having a COVID-19 vaccine from Pfizer. That an Israeli study has shown that although their findings support vaccine programs, that sperm concentrations are lowered after a Pfizer vaccine. And they don't believe that this is an effect on testicular cells. They think it's a systemic immune response, which would then be triggered by, well, what did you do to have that immune response? You got a vaccine. Whether it's a testicular uh, cell effect or it's a, an immune response, which, is, again, means the vaccine, it still affects the reproductive system directly. So COVID-19 vaccines are known to cause spontaneous abortion. They're known to cause issues with the immune system and and testicular cells, although the scientists aren't saying that directly. That's They're saying that indirectly. We know that uh, Michael Yeadon and Wolfgang Wodarg said that these vaccines would, uh, would certainly cause fertility issues. And all of that has been, you know, pretty much conveniently uh, just dismissed. There's no... No such thing as a fertility issue from a vaccine. That's a conspiracy theory. Well, conveniently, back in 1993, the World Health Organization in Geneva, Switzerland, on August 17th and 18th of 1992, the paper was published a year later, detailed experimental vaccines tested for the regulation of human fertility. The document, Fertility Regulating Vaccines, that's the actual name of the document, was, quote, a report of a meeting between women's health advocates and scientists to review the current status of the development of fertility-regulating vaccines. This was back in the 90s. The meeting was an association of the UNDP, the UNFPA, and the WHO and the World Bank Special Program of Research Development and Research Training in Human Reproduction. Here's one of the statements from the document. The short paper is an attempt to 
present the rationale for fertility regulating vaccines in the context of their potential impact in the family planning arena and in terms of the feasibility of their development and production. This novel approach to birth control is being considered in terms of the value that such vaccines might have for future users. The information is presented there from, from the perspective of new technology development and not in terms of family planning policy. It is recognized that FRVs, like any other method of birth control, will be an attractive option to some users and an unattractive option to others for a variety of reasons. The object in developing FRVs is not the product replacement for existing birth control technologies, but to widen the choice of safe, effective, acceptable, and affordable family planning methods. So they call these fertility-regulating vaccines, they're basically eugenics sterilization shots, safe, effective, and acceptable. That was back in 1992. Safe, effective, and acceptable. Same line that you hear today. They're safe and effective. They're safe and effective. They're safe and effective. They're safe and effective. To the point where it gets, you know, really annoying. So fertility regulating vaccines back in the 90s. This is the World Health Organization behind this. And now we've given the World Health Organization, through amending international health regulations, the authority to declare public health emergencies in countries and in individual states to set the standards for how those states and how those countries handle those public health emergencies declared by the WHO Director General. And it allows the WHO to deploy expert teams to assess nations. These are all things that a bipartisan nonprofit organization full of Bush and Obama lackeys presented on June 21st, 2022 as part of a plan to overhaul the American healthcare system. Not the international health system, but the American health care system. They want to give federal officials authority to enter states over health concerns without permission. This is what the WHO was just given authority to do. This is what the CDC currently cannot do. They're advocating for absolute data collection, which is what the WHO has and has been given further authority to do. Data collection on things like who got a vaccine, who didn't, who refused, who spoke out against them, etc., the group wants to create an undersecretary for public health in the Department of Health and Human Services so that they can develop health standards for all of the states. This is exactly what the WHO has been given authority to do. Top-down, centralized health control. They do not have to provide proof of a pandemic or an epidemic or a plague or anything. They can just declare the emergency. Now, under the politically correct standards of Western media, climate change is also a health emergency. And it's a racial justice emergency, right? We've been told that over and over again. In fact, the Department of Justice's new department for overseeing environmental law, they could just enforce the law. And so they got to create a new office, this bureaucratic uh, Politburo that gets to determine who gets prosecuted and who doesn't. Just like you get prosecuted if you wave a flag at the Capitol, but you don't get prosecuted if you try to assassinate a Supreme Court judge, which just happened a few days ago. So what what is this then? This is this is the overriding of the system by undermining the rule of law and by undermining the system in its entirety to allow the who through this new undersecretary, which is not created yet, but if it is created, will allow the who to work through the undersecretary to carry out the commands, the demands, the dictates, the dictums of the World Health Organization. 
And since one of the dictates and the dictums, you know, a recommendation that people think is a law is that you have to receive all of the medical treatment that they wish to give you in the event of, of a public health emergency, that would include vaccines that the World Health Organization back in the early 90s said were being developed to regulate fertility. And then Wolfgang Wodarg and Michael Yeadon say that COVID-19 vaccines are likely going to attack the reproductive systems and that this would also prevent formation of a placenta. Funny they say that it addresses or attacks the placenta because according to, well, a study from Israel, I believe this was from Israel, the Jerusalem Post, COVID-19, not the vaccine, but the COVID-19 virus, SARS-CoV-2, can enter the placenta and cause stillbirths. You might be thinking, what? Well, the, vac- the vaccine doesn't do that. The virus does that? Convenient. It just was announced right after the vaccine you know, issue of, of fertility became a, became a topic. And then suddenly, here's a study. It's not the vaccine. It's the actual virus. So you should get the vaccine, despite the fact that it lowers your sperm concentration, despite the fact that it attacks either the placenta or the fetus, which... If you read carefully between the lines, you recognize some crafty dealing by these drug and vaccine manufacturers. The crafty dealing is when they say, Moderna says, that their studies, quote, revealed no evidence of harm to the fetus due to the vaccine. Yes, no damage to the fetus. But as Michael Yeadon and Wolfgang Wodarg, both doctors, said, this would prevent the formation of a placenta. So it's the placenta that's the problem. It doesn't attack the fetus. It attacks the placenta. It doesn't attack the male reproductive organs. It attacks the sperm itself. It lowers the concentration It's not attacking the testicles. It's a systemic immune response, says the study from Israel. A systemic immune response caused by the vaccine. That doesn't attack the testicles per se. It attacks the sperm concentration. It deletes sperm. It doesn't attack the fetus, says Moderna, but it does attack the placenta. This is the crafty wordplay that's used to convince you that everything is safe and effective. Just like those fertility regulating vaccines that the World Health Organization, which was just given authority to declare public health emergencies in the United States, and just like an undersecretary for the Department of Health and Human Services, if created, would allow the WHO to work through them to issue these demands, demand that the public respond by doing what they tell them to do, international law that overrides the sovereignty of countries and states, This is what the World Health Organization said back in the 90s, fertility regulating vaccines that were safe and effective. And ladies and gentlemen, that's all I can share with you. All the documents, you want to see them, I have them. Very convenient, don't you think? Safe and effective fertility regulating vaccines, then all know vaccines that they don't attack the fetus, don't worry, but they do attack the placenta, they do attack the concentration of sperm. Don't you think that might affect, I don't know, reproduction, but it's all wordplay. 
It's all wordplay. It's word magic. So cows die of climate change. Oh, we have genetically modified cows approved that can withstand intense heat. Let's go ahead and roll those out. We didn't know that we'd need them, but we went ahead and approved them anyway, just in case 2,000 cows died in southwest Kansas in the middle of the summer. Good thing we approved them. Very, very convenient, don't you think? Don't you think it's convenient? I mean, I think it's very convenient. Maybe I'm, maybe I'm wrong. I don't know. But what I do know is the whole system is being undermined because they want to reset the system. The means and methods of food production, energy production. You know, it was governments, it was policies, humans that issued lockdowns that shut down businesses that created artificial economic disaster. Humans did that. Millions of animals killed, vegetables plowed over, milk poured out, eggs cracked open and destroyed. Millions of chickens killed in Iowa because of avian concerns. Now cows dying in Kansas conveniently just a few months before that. Gene-edited cows to withstand heat increases that can pass those genes on to their offspring suddenly are approved. Doesn't attack the fetus, says Moderna and Pfizer, but it does attack the placenta. (gasps) It attacks the placenta. Well, that's not the fetus, so it doesn't attack the baby. No, it does attack the baby because if you don't have a placenta, you don't have a fetus. If you don't have sperm, you're not going to have a fetus or a placenta. But don't worry, it's safe and effective. How do I know that? Because I read the fertility regulating vaccine document from the World Health Organization back in 1992-1993. If you want a copy of that, email me and I'll send it to you. rdgable at yahoo.com. This is The Secret Teachings. Thank you so much for listening. We'll be back tomorrow night, same time, 10 p.m. Pacific, after Clyde and Ground Zero. If you haven't, I would recommend you do. But if you have, subscribe to Clyde's Archive. You'll have to subscribe to our archive separately. And I'm offering a $40 yearly subscription for the montages, the entire archive. Download and listen to all the shows and download and read my books. My book, The Technological Elixir, available on our website separately as well, has a lot of this fertility regulating quote-unquote stuff in it. I have the quotes from the documents and all the other things that we talked about tonight. TheSecretTeachings.info, Facebook.com forward slash TheSecretTeachings, TST underscore underscore radio is Twitter. We're kind of shadow banned. If you can find us, great. If not, you really need to communicate with us. RDGable at Yahoo.com. Behind-the-scenes content through Patreon. Check us out on Patreon and, of course, Transistor FM that hosts our archive. The Tuttle Twins and Pro One Water Filters are our affiliate sponsors. Check them out at thesecretteachings.info. Thank you so much for listening. Stay safe, stay informed, stay healthy, and we'll talk to you on the next broadcast. The music tonight, White Bat Audio. Want to hear more of the Secret Teachings radio show? Search for the show on any radio or podcast player or find links and a free archive at thesecretteachings.info. If you want to get rid of those annoying ads and get extra perks like access to the montage archive, digital copies of Ryan's books, and early access to the show, then subscribe to the full show archive at thesecretteachings.info. Visit the website and click the button 
button that says subscribe. You can do so monthly, yearly, or through a one-time donation. Your support always keeps the secret teachings on the air. Do all the exploring you want, you're not all the drilling of the earth you want. You're not going to find hell. You can take spaceships, uh, you're not going to find heaven. They're not physical places. What happened before the Big Bang? The church, of course, saw scientists as a great threat. Illuminati, secret society, Illuminati, a checkered floor. This is reflective of darkness and light. And that is in life, a person is constantly...